BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. His lawyer says he's not under investigation. Donald Trump says, yes, I am. Who do you believe? Hey, hey, what do you say? Hello, everybody. June 19, it's Monday. How about it? Great to see you today. Uh, happy belated Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hope you uh, had a good one. Hope your kids remember to call or uh, or at least say uh, happy Father's Day. Although, you know, it's not such a big deal as Mother's Day. Yeah, dads sort of get second second-rate holiday there. <laughs> no flowers, no candy, no meals out. You know, lucky if you get a, lucky if you get a phone call. Look, dads, so, as long as you don't screw it up, that's You've right. done your job. That's right? right. You don't have to do any of the real heavy lifting that moms have to do. Just, like, be there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyhow, good to see you today. Lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. The White House can't make up his mind whether the president is under investigation or his or is not under investigation. Uh, Donald Trump spending his first overnight at Camp David. We don't know whether he'll ever be back. Surprise, actually, two nights surprised that he went there. Uh, in the first place, it is not the gold-plated luxury that he is used to at Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster, uh, New Jersey. Uh, and that, what about that Cosby jury couldn't decide. Um, it's a hung jury, and there may probably will be a second trial. And as if it's not already not big enough, Amazon now owns Whole Foods. Think about those possibilities. We've got so much to talk about. We'll get right to it. Good to see you today. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All right, here we go. Just a couple of other stories making news on a Monday. You remember Bill O'Reilly? You remember this guy? Oh, yeah. I there you go. There yeah. you go. Perfect for a Monday Bill morning. Bill O'Reilly. I remember him. Bill O'Reilly left Fox News no, after he was the, fired. He was fired uh, leaving Fox News uh, amid allegations of sexual mm-hmm. harassment. Well, he announced over the weekend that he is going to come back, not to Fox News, but he is going to, quote, start my own operation, end quote. He's going to start doing a 30-minute news broadcast on his website. And he says it's going to look a lot like the O'Reilly Factor. Same format, same uh-huh. sort of topic, same yeah. news stuff that he's going to cover. He's already hired a production team, including a Fox News producer who left the network to come and work for Bill O'Reilly. 
You know, uh, with all the ad revenue that Breitbart is losing as of late, you would think that would be a match made in heaven. You'd think. But from what we hear, Breitbart is very weary of putting people like him on their platform these days. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Bill O'Reilly is you never know what you're going to get. You know, I mean, he, he can go anywhere. He doesn't make any sense. He doesn't really follow any kind of real philosophy. He is just Bill O'Reilly. He's his own thing. Uh, yeah, you know, lots of luck. I think people that have had it with Bill O'Reilly. Uh, maybe I don't disagree. Maybe I, that's I, wishful thinking. But, you know, he's had a long run. It was a very successful run. Get out. Good, I, he's a loser. I don't know who is hurting because Bill O'Reilly is not on TV anymore. He's yeah, got passionate know. fans, though. Yeah, I guess, but I think a lot of them are sort of dying off. I hate to put it that way. Uh, this is a sad yeah, story. Yeah. Another, another noose found here in Washington, yeah. D.C., this time hanging from a lamppost outside of the National Gallery of Art. This is the third incident where a noose was found in Washington, D.C. on the National Mall in just the last couple of weeks. This one was found on Saturday. Like I said, just outside of the National Gallery of Art, there was a noose discovered uh, inside the National Museum of African American History and Culture, lying on the floor, and there was another one hanging from a tree at the Hershorn Museum and Sculpture Garden. I have uh, a proposed solution that ahead. would uh, help with some other problems in the city. Sure. Ban Taurus. <laughs> They're horrible. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're coming to Washington, D.C., don't, don't bring it. Uh, I'm not Come sure on. these are uh, <coughs> tourists. Jamie, I think these are probably some of our resonant idiots. It's too bad. But I hope they catch them, you know? I do too, man. Yeah. This is, yeah, a, my, this my is not okay. Put some cops on bicycles on the mall up and down in the middle of the night. I bet they can catch people that belong there. On TV and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Well, what do you say? Indeed, uh, the big question, is he or is he not under investigation? (laughs) Depends on who you ask. Hello, everybody. Monday, June 19. How about it? It is The Bill Press Show. Hope you enjoyed a great weekend, celebrated Father's Day in style, and remembered your dad. Uh, And... um, Enjoy, the, those uh, those of you dads, enjoy the day with your friends and family, particularly. We've got so much to talk about today. Coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., it is hot. It is steamy in Washington, D.C. It is Washington, D.C. in the summer, but there's still a lot going on. Yes, the Senate is uh, trying, about to pass, in secret, uh, the biggest health bill since Obamacare, except they are doing this. Totally, in, uh, totally behind closed doors. Nobody knows what's in it, not even most Republicans. It would impact one-sixth of the American economy, but Republicans just want to try to sneak it through. We can't let them get away with it. Uh, Donald Trump attacking Robert Mueller, calling uh, what Mueller is up to a witch hunt, but admitting he, Donald Trump, admitting that he is indeed under uh, investigation we got so much to talk about, and we are glad to see you this morning on Free Speech TV. Good to join you, of course, most of you, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. <coughs> Man, pardon me, and a great big hello to all of our friends out there in Chicago on WCPT, 
Yes, we'll get right into the news today. Remember, we want to hear from you on Twitter at BP Show. But first, we have a little a breaking news. Is that right? No, Uh-oh. no, no. I just I wanted, I wanted to mention something really quick because you know Uh-oh. yesterday Uh-oh. was Father's Day. Yes. Uh, yes. So I, uh, I I went out with the family. We went out for a nice uh, long hike out in uh, Shenandoah National Park. Mm-hmm. And after it was over, we went to a a brewery that was just outside of uh, of the park. And I looked like death because we had just hiked you know eleven miles. And across the parking lot, I hear this guy go, "Hey, I know you. I watch Bill Press every morning." So it was our friend Nick, uh, Nick, who watches every morning on free part of our free speech family. All right. So he was cool. just they're out there, man. Nick, Nick. All right, Nick. Here's to you. Yeah. Yes. So he's out there. Good. I wish I had maybe had a shower before I met one of our people who were, you know, watching the show. Did you give him a Bill Press T-shirt? I didn't have a Bill Press T-shirt <laughs> with me. I was just happy to have any clean T-shirt to wear at that point. <laughs> but we went inside the brewery. That's really funny. And so, and uh, I'm telling you, you have to be careful because that's why I am. Always on my best behavior. Always. Always, because <laughs> you never know when they're going to pop up. Yes, he had indeed. just missed uh, a complete <laughs> meltdown from one of my children, right? Because oh. they were just exhausted and tired and they sort of threw a fit. But he just missed that, thankfully. But they're always out there. All right. All right. Now, good story. Hello, Nick. Nice to see you. Yes, indeed. Uh, where do we start today? Let's start. Oh, by the way, yes, I can't, can't, uh, I have to mention this. You will be pleased to know uh, that. According to the White House, this is Technology Week. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. They're up to this little game now. They're naming each week. Each week has a theme. Remember, it was Infrastructure Week uh, two weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, they did nothing about infrastructure. Um, last week was Workforce Development Week. And, of course, other than the speech that Donald Trump gave, uh, not in the Midwest somewhere, I forget now, uh, that was um, maybe Wisconsin. That was uh, or Ohio. That that was, nothing else happened on workforce development this week. Uh, this is Technology Week. Uh, there is a meeting at the White House today uh, with uh, high tech leaders who are coming. Even though most of them don't have any room time for Donald Trump, but you know when the President of the United States invites you to a meeting, mm, you usually show up. Uh, at any rate, that's the only thing we know that's happening uh, related to uh, Technology Week. Just want you to know, celebrate uh, Technology Week. But on the question of the investigation, uh, yeah, it w- it went round and around and around. Now, remember, it started last Thursday, Thursday or Friday, when uh, Donald Trump himself tweeted out that I am under investigation by... Uh, by the same guy for firing Donald, uh, firing James Comey. This is Donald Trump speaking. I'm under investigation by the same for firing James Comey by the guy who told me to fire James Comey. So he said again. The key words are under investigation, which is really stunning when you think about it. Because for months, remember, Donald Trump and the White House were saying there may be. An FBI investigation, but I am not subject to the investigation. Remember, he got James Comey to admit that three times and put that in his letter when he fired Comey, that three times Comey had told him at that time Donald Trump was not under investigation. Then the White House, the Washington Post rather, reported that they had five sources that told them that 
Robert Mueller, in fact, was investigating Donald Trump now for obstruction of justice, that he had scheduled, at least he was looking into it. He had scheduled interviews with the director of national intelligence, Stan Coates, with the director of the NSA, Mike Rogers, and with a guy who just retired as deputy director of the NSA, Richard Leggett. And Mueller was going to be talking to them probably this week. Again, Washington Post reporting this last Thursday. Mueller was going to be talking to them this week about reports that the Washington Post had reported earlier that Donald Trump asked each of them to intercede with James Comey to try to get him to drop the FBI investigation. And when Comey refused, then Donald Trump fired him. So uh, with that report, uh, Donald Trump is under investigation. Then the White House went into denial mode. No, this is not true. The Washington Post has it wrong. They're just quoting anonymous sources. The president is not under investigation. That went on for 24 hours. And then the next morning, so it was Friday morning, yes, Donald Trump came out with that tweet saying, I am under investigation by for firing James Comey by the guy who told me to fire James Comey. So as Bill Maher said um, Saturday night, it's sort of like, <laughs> I mean, Donald Trump is like, it's like Watergate, except Donald Trump is deep throat. He's the one who's telling us he's under investigation. So is he or isn't he? Now his attorney, Jay Sekulow, comes out yesterday on all the, he did all the talk shows, but he, even he, got, trying to deny it, got caught up in his own, like, circular thinking, if you will, if not lies. So here he starts out with um, Mike Wallace on Fox News. Well, now listen very carefully, because here he is, twice he'll say Donald Trump is under investigation. Now he's being investigated by the Department of Justice because the special counsel under the special counsel regulations reports still to the Department of Justice, not an independent counsel. So he's being investigated for taking the action that the attorney general, deputy attorney general recommended him to take by the agency who recommended the termination. Uh, All right. So he's being investigated, investigated. He's being investigated by the same guy who asked him to terminate the investigation. That's Jay Sekulow. But then his mission is to deny Trump is under investigation. So Chris Wallace calls him on that. We have not received nor are we aware of any investigation of the president of the United States. Sir, you just said two times that he's being investigated. No. The context Mm. of the tweet, I just gave you the legal theory, Chris, of how the Constitution works. If, in fact, it was correct that the president was being investigated, he would be investigating for taking action that an agency told him to take. Yeah, you see, the circular, again, circular logic, circular thinking. The fact is, he is under investigation. We know that from, we know that from the reports of the Washington Post. They haven't been wrong about anything yet. Robert Mueller is conducting a, a, he's the special counsel. The investigation, we've, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks, has shifted now. They're still looking into collusion. In fact, Angus King yesterday said they're only 20% into collusion with the Russians. They're still looking into that. But right now, for the time being, the focus has shifted from collusion to obstruction. He's got these interviews scheduled. Now, he could very well, Robert Mueller, look, talk to them, explore this and say, there's not 
sufficient evidence to continue this investigation. But for the moment, Donald Trump is under investigation, criminal investigation, for obstructing justice, no matter how much Jay Sekulow tries to turn it, turn it around. Um, and by the way, one other, just one other point on that, which more and more people are starting to talk about, recognize, and to talk about, and that is, remember what this is all about. All, what this is really all about is, and where it started, the investigation. We know the Russians hacked into the American election system. We know that there were a couple of dozen states that they, where they tried to actually bore down into the uh, election system of those states and, and, and some particular counties. We know that happened, and we know why, that they were trying to, tr to flip the election to Donald Trump. What we don't know, and the original FBI investigation was about, did anybody on the Trump team help the Russians at their effort and maybe tell them, you ought to look at this, you ought to look at this, you ought to target this, or here's some, here are some lines you ought to use. That we still don't know. But here's the point. So far, Donald Trump has not said one damn thing about the Russians hacking our election. He hasn't said it's a problem. He hasn't said it uh, should be of concern to all Americans, Republicans and Democrats, independents, all of us. He hasn't said it was wrong that they did this, and we know that they did this. He didn't say, he promised us uh, within 90 days, they, the response was the administration was going to come up. They weren't going to talk about it now, but within 90 days, we're going to have a plan to fight to, for cybersecurity, to fight cyber warfare. Never said anything about it. 90 days has long passed, never came up with anything. Uh, we found out that the Russians tried to hack the French elections. Donald Trump didn't condemn them for that, didn't say anything about that. He has been totally, totally silent on Russian attempts to undermine American democracy. You do have to ask why. One other Donald Trump-related story. You remember a, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were uh, Donald Trump went on the warpath uh, after he came back from his trip to Saudi Arabia and to the Middle East, went on the warpath against Qatar, which turned out to be, by the way, fake news uh, that, uh, that um, uh, again, through Russian hackers, they put out the word that Qatar had been financing terrorist groups. Saudi Arabia and the UAE and uh, some other Arab countries said they were going to cut off all, all uh, business, doing, doing any business, going to boycott Qatar, wouldn't allow anybody to fly in or out of there uh, on, on their planes. Um, they turned against Qatar. And Donald Trump took sides took sides with Saudi Arabia and the UAE against Qatar. New York Times reporting this morning, uh, there might be a good reason why. And this is maybe the first instance where Donald Trump's business deals are going to determine and influence his foreign policy decisions. That's why way early on, even the Wall Street Journal said Donald Trump had to divest himself from his business. He refused to do so. Now his, the White House is saying, he's, it's, and the Justice Department, it's perfectly okay for him to continue these businesses and to keep making money from foreign governments, starting with his hotel here in Washington, D.C. So New York Times reporting this week that, in fact, for the last 20 years, Donald Trump has done all kinds of business deals with Saudi Arabia. He's also done, got a great big golf course and making a lot of money in the UAE. He has tried for years 
to get a big hotel or a big office tower, some big project going in Qatar, and Qatar has not allowed him to do so. And so just maybe Donald Trump is souting with the Saudis and the UAE because he's making money off of those two countries and he's not making any money over Qatar. Wow. All of that Donald Trump news this morning. There is other news. Yes, indeed. We can't lose sight of the fact that while we may be focusing on the investigation or in the Cosby trial or other stuff, the Senate very quietly is trying to pass a health care bill. Remember the first word when the, the terrible House bill came over to the Senate, everybody said, Oh, the Senate bill, uh, the House bill is dead on arrival in the Senate. The Senate's never going to pass anything like this. Democrats will never allow it to happen. Well, Mitch McConnell had a different plan. Very quietly, he's appointed maybe half a dozen Republican senators. Uh, and we've had people in the, in the studio here telling us about this and, and warning us about this. And very quietly, they've been shaping a health care bill in the Senate, which from what we hear is every bit as bad as the House bill. Mitch McConnell has said, said over the weekend, he wants to get this out of the Senate before they break for July 4th, which is either this week or next week, that they'd have a vote. And the bill will go, this bill, which would repeal Obamacare, take health care away from some 22 million Americans, impact one-sixth of the American economy, will go right to the floor with no hearings, no public hearings at all, not even closed-door hearings where other senators can come and find out what's in it. Nobody has seen the bill yet except for those senators who are working on it. And again, there'll be no hearings. The vote's going to go directly to the floor. They're going to do it under reconciliation. So all they need, this is their plan, if they get away with it, are 51 votes. They won't need any Democratic votes at all. And Donald Trump keeps complaining about Democrats being obstructionists. They're not obstructionists in this case. It's Mitch McConnell trying to sneak this thing through. Even some Republicans are concerned, saying we should not vote for this. Marco Rubio was quoted over the weekend as saying we should not we should not vote on a health care bill that hasn't had any public hearings at all. So the public don't members of the public and members of the Senate don't even know what's in it. Uh, Some Democrats spoke out about this over the weekend. Congressman James Clyburn uh, from South Carolina. Democrats are eager to work with our Republican colleagues to deliver accessible and affordable quality health care to all Americans. But Republicans must set aside their repeal efforts. And uh, James Clyburn says, you know, we could come up with, with a bill that would work. But this Republican plan, from what we hear, just goes in the opposite direction. Passing the Republican bill would turn the clock back on civil rights and humaneness. And Bernie Sanders weighing in as well. It's a secret mission to destroy health care. Now, in the Senate, what you have is you have, I believe it is 10 Republicans working behind closed doors to address one sixth of the American economy. That's what health care is. Republicans, the average Republican doesn't even know what's in that legislation. Yeah, right. The average Republican doesn't even know what's in it. Imagine, imagine if Democrats tried to do that where they were in control. I mean, and and remember, all uh, it took like two years 
and countless hearings before they passed uh, Obamacare. Republicans had every chance to offer amendments, to debate the issue. Remember, they had those great big town halls. It was that whole open legislative process. This is totally in secret uh, and, in fact, um, uh, which would imperil uh, and certainly influence um, one of the largest segments of the American economy. Republicans, again, all trying to do it in secret. Two other big items of news that have nothing to do with politics over the weekend uh, that I thought were worth kicking around. Did you? The idea that Amazon, which is so big anyhow, right? Jeff Bezos, brilliant, brilliant businessman, the founder of Amazon, the owner. He, he bought the Washington Post, and he's let the Washington Post alone in the sense that he's not exercising any control over it, editorial control. He's not dictating what the paper has to write about or what to say or what they have to cover. He has just given them more resources to do even a better job than they did in the past. He's the dream where most newspapers are folding these days. He's what people in the newspaper business, you know, this is their wet dream to have somebody like Bezos who's so wealthy and just says, well, what do you need? Do you need to hire eight more investigative reporters? Fine. Here's the money. Just go do it. Go do it. So Bezos, who's so creative and so inventive and such a visionary, looking at how to expand. You know, Amazon, which started with books, right? Now you can buy, God, I don't know. Is there anything, Jamie, you cannot buy on Amazon? Not that I'm aware of, no. I mean, seriously. It's a one-stop shop. If you look, you know, at their list, because I buy a lot of books on Amazon, but I always go, you know, when you have to say, like, where, what's, what part of Amazon do you want to go to? Right. The list of things you can buy. Well, you can go down a wormhole. You get lost. I mean, the thing for me is, you know, I have Amazon Prime. 80, 80, 80 bucks a year, I think, or 100 bucks a year, something uh, like that. Whatever it is. And it's great because of the two-day shipping and just being able to find – I can find two things that I absolutely need, and then I find three other things that I'll need in the future, and I just put it in one basket, and boom, it's at my house in two days. <laughs> Compulsive shopping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. You know what? I ordered a book this week or last week from Amazon. I ordered it on Tuesday, and I had it on Wednesday, I, it's, which is, to it. me is too fast. Slow down. I like that little anticipation of waiting for something I've ordered to arrive. I don't. So, it's, what about a drone delivering your book? Well, that's the point. No, here's what the drone's going to deliver. <laughs> the drones now is going to deliver my arugula, or maybe my yogurt, because that's the news. For thirteen point seven billion dollars, Jeff Bezos, Amazon has bought Whole Foods. Whole Foods, this great grocery chain. High-end, expensive, but great stuff. They got everything. And think about the possibilities here. Combining Amazon with all of its, its Amazon Prime and its fast delivery and Whole Foods. So here's the way it works. All right? You talk to a seller. Oh, I'm sorry, Alexa. Alexa. I always get it yeah. backwards. You talk to Alexa. You talk to Alexa, and you place your grocery order with Alexa, right? I want some arugula. I want some more Chobani yogurt, you know, da-da-da, some Diet Pepsi, whatever, you, whatever you're going to get. You get your whole grocery order through Alexa, and then it goes to Whole Foods, which is the drone Whole Foods, the floor, the, 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 the roof of the building, is the drone landing pad, there you go. right? The order goes up to the roof, 
Drone picks it up, delivers it by drone to your door. There it is. That, my friends, is the future. But what they're saying is, you, isn't that amazing? What they're saying is, you might be, and they have the actual Amazon physical grocery stores already now in Seattle. Yeah, right. Which th- I guess they won't need now because they, they have Whole Foods. Yeah. But what they're saying is, you can go into these stores. The, the the store will know what your buying preferences are. It'll point out things to you, I guess, on your phone or something, and you'll be able to walk out without actually even having to talk to a teller or use your card. Because you're just charged automatically on Amazon. They know when you walk out that door and what you walk out that door with. It's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. And so the possibilities <laughs> are endless. The possibilities of where Jeff Bezos is going with what people said. Why would he buy Whole Foods? No, think about it. You know, uh, the, 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 the incredible opportunities there. And he will take advantage of all of them. You can be sure of that. And the other, the other uh, non-political news of the weekend, of course, is Norristown, Pennsylvania. And after all of that, a hung jury in the uh, Bill Cosby case. Debbie Hines, our legal analyst, is going to be along a little bit later. And we'll talk to her about uh, where this goes from here. Uh, Cosby himself came out of the courthouse. And uh, every day he had a small, small a group of supporters there. Uh, he's telling them, stay strong. Stay calm. Do not argue with people. Just keep up the great support. How you doing, Thank Dr. you, Cosby? Are you feeling Dr. Cosby? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Stay strong. And his attorney, Andrew Wyatt, uh, saying, Dr. Cosby, he's back. Mr. Cosby, power is back. It's back. It's been restored. Yeah, no, no, it's not really back. No, it's not. No, no, and boy, no. I got to tell you, it just uh, one more case is just like the OJ trial where the justice system fails us. I, I, I really don't get it. Uh, I thought Andrea Constan uh, is a very believable person. I mean, they do not deny. They do not deny that he uh, drugged her and assaulted her. Uh, it just, according to what we've heard from some of the jury members, uh, it was he said, she said, and the defense, uh, the pros- the defense said, uh, that it was consensual. And I, I just, after, no, I know all this evidence wasn't presented in this case. There are, this is not just Andrea Constant. There are dozens of women who have told the very same story and they finally get Bill Cosby in the courtroom. Uh, and they're not able to convict. Uh, it's sad, 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 as Donald Trump might say. Um, by the way, he hasn't commented on this at all for, I think, a good reason. Uh, but at any rate, uh, there probably will be a uh, a retrial. Uh, it's just all that time, all that money, and all those people whose lives are really wrecked by this guy um, who see justice not done. What's going on down in Georgia? The big primary tomorrow uh, between Karen Handel and John Ossoff and uh, Karen Handel. The most important of the special elections so far in a tough district for Democrats. Can John Ossoff pull it off? Eliza Collins just got back from Georgia for USA Today, coming in studio to tell us all about it here on this Monday edition of The Bill Press Show. Sir, you just said two times that he's being investigated. No. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show.
live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Coming to you, uh, shooting out to you all across this great land of ours uh, from our studio on Capitol Hill. We're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. Yeah, who do you call when you get in trouble? Firefighters, your fire department, the good men and women of the fire departments of America on the front lines every day protecting American families. Salute them for their good work. Thank them for being there and for their support of the program under President Harold Schaatberger. You can find out more about their good work at IAFF. That's their website, IAFF.org. By the way, if you are uh, confused by Donald Trump's tweets, uh, you're not the only one. Uh, Just uh, to set the record straight, he tweeted uh, from Camp David over the weekend, quote, the new Rasmussen poll, one of the most accurate in the 2016 election, just out with a Trump 50 percent approval rating. That's higher than Obama's or O's, as he put it. Uh, you might have thought, hmm, I didn't know his approval rating was that high. Well, it's not. That was really not true. Um, at least not every poll has it that high. The latest Gallup poll, which we told you about uh, on Friday, was at Trump at 36%. It's also not true that Rasmussen is one of the most was one of the most accurate polls in 2016. Uh, they got it wrong. They said Hillary Clinton was going to win the electoral vote. Of course, they're not the only ones. Uh, and also, it's not wrong that uh, that uh, his polling numbers are higher than Barack Obama's. Barack Obama actually, on June 16, 2009, had a 50, in June, in other words, of his the first year of his presidency, had a 56% approval rating uh, higher than Donald Trump. So just one more case where I can't believe a word he says. Anyhow, we want to focus on Georgia. Uh, start there, at least find out the latest. Liza Collins, just off the plane from Georgia. Uh, what's the I heard num- she took the midnight train to Georgia. Is oh. that true? Oh, uh, sorry. sorry. It's Father's Day. I can still get dad jokes <laughs> in. Jamie Raskin's group did. He had like 30-something volunteers who took a midnight bus to Georgia. Oh, nice. To help oh, really? out Ossoff, though. To help Ossoff. Yeah. Nice to see you, Liza. Thank you for coming Good in. Good to be here. So tomorrow's a big day. It uh, is. It's been, what, a month since the last, since the primary or whatever? A little over a month, I think. Seems like a long time yes. at any rate. All right. So how's it look? What are the chances for Ossoff to pull it off? I think he has a very good chance there. I mean, Whoa. polls show neck and neck. He is the edge in most of the polls, but, yeah, you know, watch it with polls, as we were just talking about. You have to be careful. But um, there is a lot of excitement about him, and that, I think, is the big thing. He has a lot of money. There's a ton of ads. There's a ton of signs. But a big thing that I found, and that's kind of what my story is today, is that a lot of the volunteers fueling him are these suburban moms. The 6th District is very wealthy, highly educated. It's these moms who feel guilty about not doing enough for Hillary Clinton. And they Mm. are now using all of this time that they would use to do you know, and they said, they were like, yeah, we're involved in PTA and in soccer and blah, blah, blah. And we're taking that time and we're door knocking. And I went door knocking with a couple of them. And one of them had knocked on 1,500 doors, which is like an insane number of doors. She was extreme. But. Yeah. And she's like, I made a few calls for Hillary. But now, yeah, really. So this is the guilt coming out on that. It's, That's- it's guilt. And another thing is that they didn't realize it's Georgia. 
it's red. It's gone red for 40 years. Um, they didn't realize that there were other Democrats in their neighborhood or people who supported the same causes. And so after the election, there was a group of women that got together. There were 11 of them. And now that same group, this is like not that long after, has 500 people on Facebook. Mm. And they described it to me. They were like, I walked in and I looked around and I was like, that mom, you are too? Oh my God, you are too? Mm. So it's this like underground community in the southern state. Democrats coming out of the closet in the 6th Congressional District. Yeah, right? Yeah, about that. Is it, it? Is, it is really interesting to me. Like, you know, I know a lot of people in South Carolina, and South Carolina is was, it was obviously Trump country, right? But there's that feeling of helplessness that the Democrats and progressive-minded people in the South feel of just like, oh, my God. If you were sort of resigned to feeling like, well, I'm in the South and there's nothing I can do. That feeling is kind of gone because you have to feel like you're part of the process because so often you don't feel like that when you live in the South as a Democrat. Well, and there was one woman who said, Tom Price has won the seat mm-hmm. for a long time. He won by 20-something points in November. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, you know, we've always just said, okay, Tom Price gets it. You know, every yeah. two years, Tom Price checks it off. So, yeah, I voted for the Democrat, but, like, I didn't talk about it. I didn't tell anybody. I wasn't... And she was like, but now we feel like we have a chance. So I'm. she was with her son, and she was like, we're here, and we're rallying, and we're door knocking because it feels like something can change. So what uh, the take that I've had from Georgia, what I've heard from people, is that it all it, it, he does have a chance, but it's all going to depend on, on turnout. So what kind of a ground game, right, do the Democrats have down there? Are, are the unions nationally – are people putting volunteers in there? I mean, are they – do they really have a plan to get people out to vote? They do. And they have a ton of money. I mean, I think it's important to talk about this is the most expensive. I know. I saw $50 million last year. Yeah. I've seen that number tossed around. Yikes. He alone has $23 million on his. That's his campaign. So that's not even talking about the outside groups. Right. I think that they kicked up spending with her once they saw his numbers. I mean, it is. And Mm -hmm. you're down there. There are radio ads every time the radio breaks. Yeah. And yeah. I check different stations, you know. Yeah. And it's commercials for both of them. Uh, lawn signs everywhere. He, his campaign says he has eleven to 12,000 volunteers. And what he does, which is very strategic, is he does can- canvas kickoffs. So, like, he'll do, like, four a day where he'll go to a place and meet with, and this one in the middle of the day on a weekday, 50 yeah. people show up, you know, at one, 25 at another. And he goes and he gives them a little pep talk. And then he sends them out into the 90-degree heat to doorknock. Mm. And she has she did meet and greets. Um, it's just a different strategy. She was doing just as many too. When I was there, she had gotten a package at her house <laughs> with white powder in it, so she had to cancel some of her oh, events. Wow. It was the oh. day after the shooting, so sort of this weird. Yeah. Oh. Um. So it wasn't totally fair to compare the yeah. two yeah. because she right. had to cancel for safety. But she there are different types of events for sure. His are volunteer. Go mm-hmm. out, do this. Uh, so, what are the issues, or is there one issue? And is the issue Donald Trump? He, they're really trying not to make that the issue, which is interesting because the primary that was the issue. And I tried to ask him about it, and he's super on message, and he won't, <laughs> he won't break, he won't. You know, this is the for the people of the congressional district. They care about health care and the economy. Um, he's definitely going as a moderate. He his government waste is something they both are really going after 
uh, the economy. They're trying to make Metro Atlanta like a Silicon Valley. Uh-huh. So those are some big issues where he might differ from Democrats in other parts of the country. He's super um, on women's reproductive issues because she is she was head of the Komen Foundation, took money from Planned Parenthood. So that is something he's really knocked her on. Right. Um, Which was, I, mean, I mean, that was a huge yeah. deal. Oh yeah, the she's the one. She's the one who uh, said Komen was not going to give any money to Planned Parenthood and right and and yeah, remember. She had to resign, right? Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a big deal. Right. And so that is something he is really focused on, obviously, the health care bill. And I think that might be where we're seeing the Trump Trump mm-hmm. referendum because right. she supports the American Health Care Act. And he does not. And this is coming after Trump said that the American Health Care Act she talk was about mean. Does she talk about Trump? No. <laughs> she does not. I wouldn't either if I was a Republican. not a district... Well, Especially here is not a district that is friendly no, to Trump. No, I you know I saw some uh, uh, outrageous statement by Newt Gingrich over the weekend talking about like how dare Democrats you know even compete in the in a district Donald Trump won. Well, he didn't win very by very much. That's the point I was going to make. Yeah, he barely won. It was not not, not like Tom Price and twenty percent. Right. No, this he's a different. He vote. I he won in this district because people voted. Red people identified as Republicans, so they voted for the Republican candidate. And of course, there was people did not like Hillary Clinton. It was not because they mm-hmm. liked Trump, at least yeah. from the people I was talking to down mm-hmm. there. And that sort of was how it felt about Handel. There are definitely people excited for her, but I also had a lot of people say, "You know, I'm a conservative. She's conservative. You know, I'm going to vote for her." Yeah. The other the other uh, reality here is that, I mean, even with all of that. Uh, this is not an easy win for Democrats. It's a possible win, but you know it's a red district. It's Republican, and so a lot of Democrats are bracing for the fact that with all these high hopes built up, still, yeah, that he may not make and it. And if he does win, Republicans will immediately say, "Okay, well, this was look how much money he had. Mm, yeah. He won by one point or right. whatever. Yeah. You were that money in every in 2018 in every race." This is, and then they'll say this wasn't a district that was friendly to Trump, even if it was red. But, uh, yeah. By the way, in fact, in terms of um, uh, Karen Handel has distanced herself from Donald Trump. John Ossoff hasn't had either Hillary or Bernie come into no. campaign for him. He right? has Jason Kander today. Oh, that's interesting. So it's a different kind of Democrat down there. Jason Kander, remember the ad? Sure, yeah. Put a gun together. Put, yeah, he was the guy that put the gun together. He, he also lost. <laughs> so. But he is, he's, people are, you know, he's, people are pinning their hopes yeah. on him as that sort of moderate Democrat. And that's awesome is trying to play. And I asked him for my story, you know, I found all these Democrats that came out of the woodwork and I asked him about it. So on message and he's like, Republicans, independents, Democrats are coming together to support the candidate. <laughs> and so I was like, so you're saying it's you, not that, you know, I was just trying. Yeah. He's like, they are excited about a change in Georgia. You know, like Democrats aren't necessarily getting super excited about the policy and politics of John Ossoff, right? And I think that's fair. I, you know, he's not going to be a Bernie type of Democrat. He's already said that the minimum wage thing and is, or, or, or excuse me, the uh, single payer thing is not something that he can get behind. And Democrats are just going to have to have uh, Democrats like that in the party. The, Absolutely, the, the, well, yeah, Bernie's you know I mean? like, type yeah. wouldn't no. win there. Right, he, exactly, he wouldn't no. win. Well, and that's like the argument, you know, with the whole movement. Right. Um, and when they were trying to unseat. You know, primary out Joe Manchin. It was like Joe Manchin is, 
you're not going to be able to go much further left right. than Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin not can barely Virginia. hold on to a seat yeah. in West Virginia. So right. it's that idea. He's And people say, even if they've only voted for Democrats, when I ask if they're a Democrat, they say, I'm an independent. Oh, yeah. So right. it's mm. it's still... And he's, his whole thing is, I'll stand up to either party. I'll work with either party. And they like that. So all of you down there in the Atlanta area, in the, in, particularly in that Georgia's 6th uh, district, uh, it's so important. Uh, today, get out there and do what you can. Volunteer for John Ossoff. And get out there tomorrow uh, early and often to vote for John Ossoff. And make sure all your na- friends and neighbors and family do uh, as well. Uh, that's going to be uh, going to be huge. It's it, it's. It is a national election. Oh, it's a completely. I was. There were a lot of national press down there, and this is a week out. Yeah, I was there last week. Yeah, great. Uh, but you mentioned now both of them have taken a position on uh, on health care, uh, and some people might say, "What health care? I thought that health care <laughs> bill was dead in the Senate. They weren't going to do anything." It's Actually, not bad. yeah, they're they're moving. The only thing, what they're doing though, is they're doing it all behind closed doors. They are, and. There's frustration from Republicans there, too. Um, They are moving a bill, Senate leadership. We don't know how far along it is. John Thune told reporters, I don't know, before I went to Georgia, so maybe Wednesday he was talking to us, Tuesday, and he said, we've been sending things back and forth to the CBO to get them scored. The CBO is the Congressional Budget Office. That is who decides not decides, who analyzes and figures out how many people will lose it, how uh, much uh, it will cost. Will they wait to vote until it's yes. scored? They <laughs> Unlike will. the House? He said that. And they also have to because um, it has to meet a certain threshold of savings. It's not very high. It's, I think, I don't want to say, I think $2 billion or something like that. It's saving, the House bill saved like 100 something. Yeah. It's not very hard, but they can't do it without it. Also, Senate, a little more grown-ups in the room. They've said, we're going to wait to see. And they, I mean, the House got rail. They voted, and then it came out like weeks later, and it was yeah. still like 23 million people with yeah, lose right. insurance. So the Senate said they'll wait. Thune said they'll wait. But they're sending things to get, you know, how's this option? How's this option? But the rank and file Republicans have no idea. How many Republicans are, are voting on this? I, I mean, I'm sorry, are working on this bill. So Not how many are like clear. in the, in the, in the, smoke-filled room where so these decisions are being made. So there was a working group, um, yeah. interestingly put together by Ted Cruz, who was not yeah. the person you'd think would put together a working group. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, who wants to work with Ted Cruz? Uh, yeah. yeah. I wrote yeah. a story, and it was like, Ted Cruz is trying something new, compromise. <laughs> um, but he, so he's working on this. This started when the House was going through. Ted Cruz, right. of course, is super conservative. He wants, he's kind of aligned with the Freedom Caucus. Uh, him, Rand Paul, Mike Lee are the three guys that are going to want this as far right as possible. Well, in the Senate, most people are more in the middle or even someone like Susan Collins is pretty assumed to be a no because she has a lot of issues with the bill. But that working group had people from different groups, no woman at, in the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, it was 13 people. I kind of think that group's even been scrapped. Really? Because when you ask, like, Ted Cruz doesn't know what's in the bill anymore. They don't. Mike Lee doesn't know. Um, Trump invited 14 people last week, but they were different from the group. He had more women. Um, Not clear. Yeah. Uh, Bernie Sanders spoke about this uh, yesterday on Face the Nation, uh, I believe, about this sort of secret cabal. 
Now, in the Senate, what you have is you have, I believe it is 10 Republicans working behind closed doors to address one-sixth of the American economy. That's what health care is. Republicans, the average Republican doesn't even know what's in that legislation. Yeah, yeah. Bernie pointing out one-sixth of the American economy uh, affecting this, and the average Republicans, as you just said, don't even know uh, what's, in, what's in this bill. So um, when are they going to have their first public hearings? Also not clear. I don't think there'll be public hearings. They want this Well, how can they pass a health care bill like the equivalent of an Obamacare, repeal Obamacare or a Hillary care that had multiple, multiple, multiple hearings and not have a hearing? It would go right to the floor for a vote? That is... So that's what everyone's trying to figure out. There are different timelines being thrown around, but... It seems that the most, the one they want the most is before July 4th. It's like two weeks. It, um, well, it's this week or next week. Right. And, and that means it has to go, yeah. has to become public. The rest of the Republicans need to see it. If it's not July 4th, it, they're hoping for the end of August or before August recess, so the end of July. But that begs a question. Are they really, do you really think they can get away with a mammoth bill like this affecting one sixth of the American economy? and take it right to the floor with no no public hearings. And I guess if they do that through reconciliation, you can't even offer amendments on the floor. Can you? Can't offer amendments. Um, we, I don't know what happens to this bill. I mean, I think they can lose two votes, and that still brings in Mike Pence as a tiebreaker. Susan Collins is pretty assumed to be a no. She might get on board if they take out the Planned Parenthood defund, but then you lose Cruz, Lee, Rand mm-hmm. Paul. Uh, you have a bunch of senators who are worried about Medicaid. They want it to the um, they want it to slow down. Like the they're trying to stop Medicaid, and they want that to slow down. It's pretty easy to lose two votes somewhere. So I don't know, and I think I do think tomorrow's race won't completely change things. But if Ossoff wins, he is campaigning on this health care and I think that it'll give some Republicans pause I don't can't say they're not gonna they'll stop the bill but I think behind closed doors there'll be some conversation especially someone like Jeff Flake or Dean Heller who are really vulnerable in these states whatever happened to the promise that we're going to get back into regular order Mr. McConnell said we're going to do things regular order we're going to do things right by the book make sure that bills are posted what Three days for three days or whatever, so everybody can read them. It's easy to be regular or say you'll go to regular order when you're not in the, not the ones having to push something through. I also think Trump is making things harder for them. He goes out and says stuff, you know, oh, well, Senate's going to have a great bill. We're going to repeal Obamacare. And the Senate's like, uh, we haven't written anything. Or Trump said the House health care bill was mean. Yeah, yeah I was we, just going to ask you about that. Yeah. Right. The health care, it was a mean bill because it threw too many people off. Right. Sorry, did he not have he a giant a party, party at the White House to yeah. celebrate he that did. bill? Hello. That's so yeah. cruel and mean. Right. And then you're someone like Paul Ryan and you're like, uh, you made us vote on this. You've brushed the vote on this. Remember right. the White House kept getting ahead of the House? Yeah. yeah. Then they yeah. voted and you're like, uh, yeah. so... That stuff happens. I I don't know what's going on. I but, mean, I think. And and just to be clear, so everyone just and and, and, and again, I, I remember particularly Ben Wickler from MoveOn.org, the uh, director of the Washington office, was in 
a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, people, wake up. This is happening. You've got to know this is happening. It's, it's happening in secret, but it is happening. Don't think there's it's nothing moving. happening with right. health care. It is moving, and you've got to put a lot of pressure on the Senate, Not uh, certainly uh, in the end, not to let them pass this bill, but right now not to let them get away with doing it in secret and doing it in such a way that I, I believe this is true. The way they're planning it right now, they do not need one Democratic vote. They don't. If they, if they hold on to their own, right? And they won't get one Democrat. Um, but if they can hold on, yeah, there are 52 Republicans. They need 51 votes, but Mike Pence can count as a vote. Mm-hmm. So they can lose two. Mm-hmm. They think they'll lose probably two. Um, but they can't lose three. And that's a really hard... Ted Cruz and Susan Collins are pretty different Republicans. Right. And then this goes, then it goes back to the House. Now, again, the original thought that whatever the Senate, if it did were to pass a bill, would be so different from the House bill that there would be no way the two could get together. That's, that's gone, isn't it? That's it's, gone. I mean, the Senate bill is going to be as bad, if not worse, than the House bill is a point I'm making. Correct. I think the Senate bill is going to be more, more moderate. From, from what I, we've heard. I think they are going to put more money into it. I think Medicaid. They will not pass a bill that is as quick on Medicaid. Um, they're going pre-existing conditions. I think will be more. There'll be more money for that. They might. Sounds like they probably won't scrap the thing. The House bill basically you could scrap pre-existing conditions, and they had a pool of money that was supposed to help. Doesn't sound like most senators are okay with that. Yeah. So, so I think it'll be softer on the edges. It's going to be a similar bill with probably more money to try and backstop things. And it's still probably going to mean 22, 23 million people lose their health care. I mean, I have no idea on that because we, we, we'll wait and see we don't what know the what's CBO in the bill. Says, but right. Yeah. People will pro- less people will be insured. But I have no clue on the number. Okay. Now, finally, can you clear up for us? Um, is the president under investigation or is he not? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> well, uh, Trump, wait, according what, to Trump, yes. All right, here's the tweet. Lawyer, well, Friday no. morning, Friday morning. Donald Trump tweet, quote, I am being investigated for firing the FBI director by the man who told me to fire the FBI director. Witch hunt! That sounds like... It sounds like he's saying he's under investigation. Um, I don't know. What was it? The Washington Post that reported they had a lot of sources. Trust the Washington Post. I have no doubt they have high vetting of their sources, um, saying he's being investigated for obstruction of justice. And then Trump's attorney, of course, hits the talk shows yesterday to say, "No, he's not under investigation." But what Trump's attorney points to is the fact that Comey said Trump was not under investigation at that time. Right, and that was something Comey for. Collusion. Right. Comey made sure when he was talking, he said, at the time, at the time, collusion. And then he made, when Comey's thing was over, you felt like Trump was probably under investigation for obstruction of justice. You really did. We walked away. And Comey knew what he was saying. Yeah. He is, he knows what he's saying. But by the way, the other thing, the other thing that where Donald Trump's just being too cute by half here. So I'm being investigated for firing the FBI director. By the man who told me to fire the FBI director. Well, Rosen, he's talking about Rod Rosenstein, deputy agent. Mm-hmm. Rosenstein, according to that phony memo, right, uh, which Donald Trump requested, said you ought to fire James Comey for, um, uh, for for the Hillary but the he way he handled the Hillary emails. 
which is an important point. The memo is tough yeah. on Comey. He doesn't in there say you should fire him. Right. Remember right. that sorry. is like a whole. He, but he provides that as the excuse. Right. Which Donald Trump, right, allegedly used. Then Donald Trump says, no, I fired him because I want to get rid of that Russian thing. So he's not being investigated for the reasons that Rod Rosenstein Right. Wrote he's not being in investigated for memo. Hillary Clinton. No. He's being investigated. I, I, I believe Donald Trump is right. He is under investigation. For obstructing justice. And that's those conversations that Comey talked about. Right. In, you know, can you let this go? Mike Flynn's a good guy. I would like your loyalty. Those types of things that we heard from Comey. I think it's an example of Trump getting ahead of himself. And this is something we see all the time. His comms team goes and says, blah, blah, blah. And Trump says, nope, that's actually... I mean, firing, firing Comey. I said it earlier. Bill Maher said it Saturday Night Best. It's like Donald Trump is his own deep throat. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump says, I'm under investigation. His attorney says, no, he's not. Who's telling the truth here? What are we to believe? Hello, everybody. I believe he's under investigation. Hey, great to see you today. It is The Bill Press Show on a Monday, Monday, June 19. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome to the program and welcome to the news of the day. Like it or not, hope you had a good weekend ready to dive in for another round of uh, updates on what's happening here in Washington, around the country, and around the globe as we reach out to you from our studio on Capitol Hill. Uh, and the media, again, you know, getting a lot of attention and getting a lot of flack, uh, particularly from those on the, the right about the mainstream media led by the President of the United States, We've got our great watch, media watchdog on the left, Media Matters for America. Matt Gertz is a senior fellow at Media Matters and a good friend of the program and a regular guest and is back this morning. Hello, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Nice to see you. Everything good? Yeah, things are going well. Yeah, right. Normal weekend. <laughs> a normal weekend. Donald Trump <laughs> tweeting away. Happy thought... Father's Day, everyone. He I got fifty percent in the Rasmussen poll, so yeah, he was very he happy. We thought that uh, you know he'd go to Camp David, they might take his phone away, but no, uh-uh, he took his phone. It must have great service. Down. Good great Wi-Fi, service I out guess. there. I, know. <laughs> I was, I was, I was impressed up there in the in the mountains, Cacoctin Mountains, I think. Cacoctin Mountains. Cacoctin yeah. Mountains. Absolutely. Anyhow, we'll get to right to all of that with Matt, the news of the day. But first, this is the full court press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Hey, boy, it's hot out there. It is. How hot is it? Well, I'll tell you, in Phoenix, Arizona, there is a dangerous heat wave on its way. It is expected to climb up to 112 degrees. 
And uh, that was what it was yesterday, and then 116 degrees today. Here's the thing. Back in 1990, Phoenix had this hottest day on record, 122 degrees. It was so hot that they had to shut down the airport. And they are bracing for a similar really? situation. The asphalt gets so hot Ooh. that the plane's tires just sort of, yeah. they can't really get much traction. The asphalt essentially will move with the tires of the plane, right? So this is a problem that you'd think that Phoenix would have had figured out because it gets hot in Phoenix. But... They're saying if it gets that hot today, they're going to have to shut the airport down, which could disrupt travel for uh, a lot of uh, folks. Can you imagine? You land and you just get stuck. Er, just yeah. keep going. Fun story. I'm supposed to fly to Phoenix on Wednesday for a four-day oh. conference. Oh, so boy. we'll see how that goes. Oh, boy. Well, uh, you, you ever been to that airport? Uh, I have. It's awful. Sky Harbor is not a great airport. Well, I guess I'll find out. <laughs> It's only supposed to be 119 when I when I go, so it, it, that should be better. It's a but dry, it's a dry I'm heat. It's a dry it's heat. It's a dry that's, heat. That's what everyone keeps telling me. I keep saying famous last words. Yeah, pack your shorts if you're going to be going to uh, mm. Phoenix. Just be careful out there. Stephen Haynes is a man who lives in central Pennsylvania. In 2013, he went to the doctor complaining about a persistent pain <clears throat> in his right testicle. Well, the doctors went in and said that it needed to be removed. It was nothing major. I mean... All things considered. God. All things considered. Major to me. Here's the problem, though. The doctors went in. They had a successful surgery to remove his left testicle. They took the wrong one off, which is not good. I hate when that happens. Don't you hate when that happens? Mm -hmm. Well, they the, he sued the doctors, and the uh, oh, jury came back and awarded him $875,000 the end of last week. Well, that's the thing. This is now apparently the price of a testicle, not not even a million dollars. No, it's the price of your manhood. <laughs> so he and he still had to lose the right testicle because it was still so painful. So he is he is without testicles now. But one that's that that is what the jury came back with said that the the loss of that one healthy testicle is worth $875,000. Ball don't lie. <laughs> Ball don't lie. <laughs> Glad we could get that testicle-related story in this morning. <laughs> yeah, you know. <clears throat> on your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bill Press Show. Great to see you on this Monday, June 19. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, celebrated uh, Father's Day in style. We're coming to you live this today with the news of the day from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show on Free Speech TV, of course, and uh, out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT. Thanks so much for being with us today. Look forward to hearing from you what you think about uh, the events of the day uh, on YouTube at YouTube. I'm sorry, on Twitter, Twitter at BP Show. Yes, take Twitter away from Donald Trump. Use it yourself at BP Show. Matt Gertz is here, senior fellow for Media Matters for America. Donald Trump, uh, Matt, defending over the weekend his use of Twitter, saying people don't like it because he has access independently around the MSM to a 100 million people following him on Twitter. Really? 
No, I mean, that that's a dramatic overstatement, as is typical for Donald Trump. I don't really know that. I, I have heard very few reporters say, I wish we didn't have Donald Trump tweeting. Um, it does provide insight into what the president is thinking on a, on a moment-by-moment basis. Uh, it is the fact that what he is thinking is fairly terrifying that tends to cause all the problems. Uh, in the end, I, th- I think it's going to end up being uh, worse for him than it is for anybody else, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, and Sean Spicer has told us, remember, that presidential tweets... What are we doing here? Okay. That presidential tweets are official presidential pronouncements. Well, I mean, they have to be. You you can't sort of make a distinction between the the uh, the medium and say, you know, one of these is real and one of these right. doesn't count. Right. Um, uh, you know, that just doesn't make any sense. Reporters need to pay attention to them as statements from the president, um, no matter how weird that is. Right. So when the president says, uh, I'm under investigation... It's got some meaning. You would think so. I, I mean, it's very. It should. It, it should be hard to walk back. I am under investigation, uh, and pretend that that doesn't really mean anything. I, well, it it proved to be hard to walk back when Jay Sekulow, the president's attorney, uh, did his best this weekend uh, to, to to he after Donald Trump on Friday. Washington Post on Thursday says he is under investigation for obstruction of justice. Donald, uh, the White House spent like 24 hours saying, no, he's not. Friday morning, Donald Trump says, I am under investigation. They send the attorney out, Jay Sekulow, on the Sunday shows yesterday to say, no, he's not, except he is. Uh, you can't, yeah. he can't, even he can't get it straight. So let's listen to this exchange. Here's on Fox News Sunday where, listen, let's listen very carefully, twice he says he is under investigation. Now he's being investigated by the Department of Justice because the special counsel under the special counsel regulations reports still to the Department of Justice, not an independent counsel. So he's being investigated for taking the action that the attorney general and deputy attorney general recommended him to take by the agency who recommended the termination. (laughs) So perfect. He gets caught up in his words. Twice he says he is under investigation. So then Chris Wallace, Wallace follows up. Because now he says he's not under investigation. Here again, Jay Sekulow and Chris Wallace. We have not received, nor are we aware of any investigation of the president of the United States. Sir, you just said Period. two times re- that he's being investigated. <laughs> no. The context of the tweet, I just gave you the legal theory, Chris, of how the Constitution works. If, in fact, it was correct that the president was being investigated, he would be investigating for taking action that an agency told him to take. It's ridiculous. Such circular thinking, logic, whatever. I'm starting to think that the president may not have assembled a legal dream team to defend him. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, between this guy and Bill O'Reilly's lawyer who handled Trump's divorce cases, like this this might not end up working out too well for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just seems to me if you cut through this, uh, and not to mention that the Washington Post hasn't been wrong yet with anything they've reported about the Trump White House. He's under investigation. Yeah, or, or at least this, at least we can conclude that Mueller has started looking into possible obstruction of justice. He may conclude there was none. You know, totally possible. Yeah. Um, but he's looking at it. 
it, yeah, that does seem to be the case. I, I think uh, Comey seemed to very strongly hint at the fact that while the president was not uh, uh, under yes. investigation uh, for collusion at the time that he was FBI director, that uh, that was not really still the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, for collusion, still the case, but for now for obstruction. Right. Yeah, right. So um, I think you could still say, probably, that he's not under investigation for colluding, he himself, for the collusion, but he's certainly, he him, pardon me, he himself is being looked at for possible uh, obstruction. All right, I want to get to the media story of the weekend. Uh, there she was, the new star of NBC. Who's she going to start with? Let's start with maybe the most important interview we could possibly get. Uh, well, the first one, the most important would be Vladimir, on the planet. The first would be Vladimir Putin. Who is the equal stature with Vladimir Putin for making Kelly the interview? Really? Alex Jones? Here's Megyn Kelly apologizing in advance for doing this interview. Some thought we shouldn't broadcast this interview because his baseless allegations aren't just offensive, they're dangerous. But here's the thing. Alex Jones isn't going away. Sufficient reason for giving Alex Jones that kind of exposure? So I think what Megyn Kelly's Sandy doing Hooks there... Sandy Hook's a hoax, yeah. I, I think what she's doing there is basically trying to take all of the criticism that she has received for this interview and file it all under they don't want us to do it and get to the bottom of the truth, um, which is not accurate. There are plenty of people, Media Matters among them, who said, yes, Alex Jones is a very important topic. Yes, because of his relationship with Donald Trump, he is a worthy uh, subject for a major news magazine show. But the way that Kelly was going about it, um, which in its early stages seemed to be very much an attempt to do like a head-to-head interview with him, uh, was probably the least likely way to actually expose who Alex Jones is. He's a conspiracy theorist who is very comfortable lying about everything he's ever said in the past. Those interviews are incredibly tough to actually, uh, you know, get to what he uh, is doing and why it matters. Um, so following that, there was a wide range of criticism of uh, what Megyn Kelly was doing from uh, the Sandy Hook families and from many others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in response, uh, NBC really went into overdrive to try to uh, curtail that criticism. They basically told everyone, look, uh, we know you're mad now, but when this segment comes out, you will all be satisfied with the result, which is basically a way of saying, okay, we heard the criticism, and now we're going to uh, put, cut this segment into something that is as brutal to Alex Jones as possible. Um, and, I, and I think that they were largely successful at that. Um, you know, they really downplayed the interview with Kelly as much as they could. It took up a very small percentage of the overall segment. Instead, there was a, a pretty decent explanation of uh, Jones's shtick, of his relationship with Donald Trump, I think if you're a sort of entry-level person who who doesn't really know anything about Alex Jones, you probably came away from this thinking, wow, this is a, a pretty dangerous guy and it's, it's a problem that he's close uh, to the president. Now, it, it, I mean, a couple of criticisms that we and others are still making, it, you know, it didn't actually... Uh, really break any news. Like, there was nothing really new in the piece. It was a summary of uh, 
Alex Jones, which, again, is, is, is good if you uh, have no idea who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the sort of bigger problem is that the segment doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? It exists uh, amidst what has been a very successful effort by Alex Jones to uh, take control of the narrative, to spin all of this as Megyn Kelly taking advantage of him and trying to smear him, um, and NBC taking him out of context, uh, he's used this very clearly to build his own brand with his own audience, uh, and that's largely because NBC had no idea at all how to handle him. Uh, from the very beginning, from when they sort of teased out uh, on last Sunday's show uh, that this interview was happening and the first interview clips, uh, they have been on the defensive Every step of the way, he has been, the, and, and uh, to a similar extent, the San Diego families uh, have been the ones uh, who are running this story. Uh, NBC has been woefully unprepared. And, and that's really kind of shocking because if you're doing a story about Alex Jones, you should know that this is how he operates. You should know that he is a master propagandist, that he is really brilliant at manipulating the media to do his bidding. Uh, and if you aren't prepared for that, if you don't realize that this is not just a one-off segment, but in fact you need to have an overall press strategy for how to deal with the, the thing from top to bottom, you're going to lose. He's going to win. Um, you know, I think the three and a half, four million people that probably saw this show last night uh, came away with a decent understanding of who Alex Jones is. I think that on, in the larger uh, media sphere, on the internet, uh, I think Alex Jones is, was probably the winner. Uh, folks, folks, I just need y'all to know that we do have the tapes. I want to make sure everybody has the tapes. Anytime that people start right. talking about Alex Jones, uh, I am here to uh, make sure that everybody gets the real truth about what's going on. So, uh, Matt, I appreciate you being here to talk about Alex Jones the way you were talking about Alex Jones, but we do have the tapes. We're going to expose you. We're going to expose Bill Press. We're going to expose Media Matters. We're going to make sure we get to the bottom of this. He's not bragging. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the idea that he's not going away, I find that the lamest possible excuse for giving him that exposure on, on uh, NBC. Of course he's not he's, going away. If he's no. on NBC, yeah, right. he's you got know, a bigger platform. Disgusting, evil man. And, and that, uh, that was also disgusting, I thought, was that the photo they put out of the, uh, um, the shot of uh, Megyn Kelly and Alex Jones driving along in the car, you know. And the, that's the, the sort of thing that, that makes yeah. me think that, NBC was just unprepared for the sort of PR aspects of this. You don't do the glossy They're out having a good time, big smiles on their face and everything. Yeah, right. Imagine. Um, okay, I'm telling you. Now, uh, we love the story that you did. Uh, oh, okay. While we're talking about, I guess, uh, former Fox stars, Bill O'Reilly. Peter, you reported this morning. Bill O'Reilly now says he's going to come out. Uh, he's, he's bouncing back. He also says, by the way, he's going to have some details about his firing that going to be explosive that nobody has heard about so far. God Can't knows wait. what that is. Can't, Can't wait to wait. hear that. Uh, but that he's coming up with his own little newscast now online or a podcast or whatever. That... Yeah, he's, ex- he's expanding the O'Reilly website, uh, more or less. Um, this is sort of what he's been doing. He, he's basically turned out a podcast um, mm-hmm. in the uh, m- months since he was fired from uh, Fox News. Um Fired, of course, after a series of allegations that he had sexually harassed Fox News personalities and employees multiple. over a period. Yeah, multiple over a period of several years. 
Um, he, you know, this was obviously something that Fox News was aware of since they had been paying, paying off the yeah. women who had accused Bill O'Reilly of these things. Uh, but once it all sort of came out into light after a great expose by the New York Times, um, you know, that that became a problem uh, because after that, of course, came the uh, uh, the uh, uh, advertiser boycotts that started up, um, which mm-hmm. Media Matters, of course, played a role in. Um, so do his followers go with him, his former viewers go with him? I mean, Bill O'Reilly's average f- you know, viewer is like a 60, 70-year-old conservative guy. White um, male. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical that that's an audience that's going to jump well into podcasts. I mean, it seems to be sort of largely an audience of people who have Fox News on all of the time um, and tune in t- uh, to O'Reilly as sort of the, the capstone of the day. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think this is similar to the sort of phenomenon that happened around Glenn Beck where, uh, you know, he yeah. was, you know, pushed mm-hmm. out of Fox News – um, he, I don't think that his audience stayed the same, but he was able to monetize it better because he could just sell it as subscriptions um, and sort of make the money that way. Um, then again, given the sort of large uh, cutbacks in the series of firings of top executives at The Blaze, um, that doesn't seem to be a great long-term plan. Talent is not always the best at managing large businesses. Um Mm-hmm. So we'll see if this we'll see if this O'Reilly thing actually happens, or if he gets bored and decides to wander away with his millions of dollars that yeah, he got yeah. for agreeing to leave. The Glenn Beck analogy is really interesting because Glenn Beck, when he started the Blaze, you're right. Like right now, they've got some real problems, and I'm not even sure how much longer they're going to be around. But I mean, it was ambitious and it was fairly savvy at the time in terms of tapping into what they sort of and fairly successful and fairly successful at the beginning. Yeah, it sort of got pretty bloated and and has turned into something that's pretty hard to manage. And to sort of you know bring it back full circle, Glenn Beck very obviously was basing a lot of his sort of business strategy on Alex Jones. Um, you know, Jones sure. Jones started complaining back in in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. This guy in Fox News is stealing my shtick. Like he is basically <laughs> taking all of my. He didn't call them conspiracy theories, but they were, and bringing them to the Fox News audience. And he was, you know, sort of by turns uh, boasting about this and being sort of annoyed by it. Um, but you know, then uh, that's the sort of Alex Jones Glenn Beck strategy isn't one that fits very well into a broader media outlet uh, because um, you know uh, in Beck's case uh, all of the advertisers abandoned him as well because of how crazy the things that he was saying were uh, and so like Alex Jones he started his own thing mm-hmm. um, with his own associated news outlet that was online ba- that was based online um, and his own product line this is how um, Alex Jones makes all of his money is on like vitamin supplements and bizarre things like that. Um, and Alex Jones similarly had a wide range of products that he endorsed, including oh, yeah. his own line of jeans. Um, uh-huh. And you know, his <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, the the jeans, the jeans, the jeans. The are jeans. It's, it's the, it's, I think it's the the seventeen eighty one line. It's, oh, it's some something linked to the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence because that's sort of yeah. the next thing. Um, 1791 Supply and Company. That's, that's, that's it. Right, it right, 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 right. All right. Uh, it's Media Matters. <laughs> MediaMatters.org. Uh, check it out for the truth, uh, the, the real news, uh, not the fake news, or and real facts, not alternative facts. 
Um, we were struck by your story um, that cons in light of the shooting last week uh, in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, Republican members of Congress uh, in their final practice before the Thursday night congressional baseball game, uh, Steve Scalise, by the way, uh, listed in still in serious condition, but doctors t t t do, do say his condition has improved somewhat. Uh, thank God. Uh, your story, a headline, conservatives need to cut the BS uh, and stop exploiting a tragedy to blame the left. Yes, immediately led by Newt Gingrich and others. Uh, after the shooting, they said, well, it's clear the people with blood in their hands are Democrats because of their red-hot rhetoric and the mainstream media because they have perpetuated and given Democrats a platform to spew their hateful uh, rhetoric. What's the truth? Uh, well, first of all, I want to give credit where it's due on that piece. That's my great colleague, Christina Lopez, not me. Okay. Um, so well, media just, matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Okay. course I, but, you know, all right. Very good. Very know. good. No, give credit uh, where credit due. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think that the uh, what conservatives have done here is like pretty obvious and kind of gross. Uh, they tried to turn the entire conversation into one where the media is somehow encouraging violence, largely by reporting on Trump's ties to Russia. Uh, it's a pretty obvious and blatant attempt to get everyone to shut up about yeah. what has been an incredibly damaging storyline for the president. Um, it's cynical. It's pretty despicable. Uh, and it's overwhelmingly obvious. Um, they have been doing everything they can to curtail that story. Uh, and this is just sort of their latest way into it. Um, so, yeah, b blaming the mainstream media was a big part of it, but never with any like, actual examples of, of wrongdoing. The sort of list of people doing, uh, you know, liberals who are using extreme rhetoric is always uh, celebrities and not actually members of the mainstream media. So they're taking on this argument without having the horses to back it up. Like they can't actually uh, demonstrate that the press is doing anything wrong except by broadly focusing on Russia. Um, and so this is what they're doing instead. You know, I think there are times when you can make these sorts of claims that, uh, you know, there is some sort of link between the rhetoric that happens in the media and, uh, you know, a, a terrible act of violence like this. But generally when that happens, you literally have uh, someone saying, yeah, I did this because this media person, uh, you know, said this thing, which, you know, Going back again to Alex Jones with the Pizzagate case where Alex Jones and others uh, in the sort of fringe right were uh, claiming that uh, there was a, a D.C. pizzeria through which Hillary Clinton and her close associates were running a child sex slavery ring. Um, obviously false, like just blatantly so, but they sort of ran with this for a period of several months, causing tremendous harassment of the uh, yeah, pizzeria, right. culminating with someone with a gun going in there looking for the children, firing it off, and then saying, yeah, like I, I heard it on Alex Jones that we should investigate what's going on here, and so I did. Yeah, um, but years earlier, uh, I forget the name of the organization. Byron uh, Williams Tides Foundation. No, yes, I think The Tides it. Foundation, yes. yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Glenn yeah. Beck, again, Glenn oh. Beck. A guy they, they picked up in Oakland with an arsenal in his card, headed for the Tides Foundation mm -hmm. in San Francisco because Glenn Beck had said that they were the enemy of Western civilization because they were supporting action on climate change. And this guy was going over 
with the intent of walking in there and blowing them all away. And that's the sort of case where, like, there's no way that he would have tried to target that if Glenn Beck hadn't been talking about the Tides Foundation yes, because no one else was. That was like a, a topic right. solely contained to Glenn Beck's program and to some extent Alex Jones's. And after the fact, we actually had a reporter uh, who interviewed him extensively and he literally said, yeah, like I, I listen to Glenn Beck. I, I watch Glenn Beck all the time. I listen to Alex Jones. Like these are the people who sort of guided me. Um, and uh, I was sort of following up on what they had been reporting. Um, so that that's a case where you have a fairly direct line from the media outlet to the actual event. Right. But, you know, there is no doubt in, uh, that the, that the uh, I think we can all accept the fact that the political rhetoric does sometimes get overheated and out of line. Uh, but if you are going to start pointing fingers at who has the who's been using the the guilty of the red hot rhetoric, it starts at the White House. It starts with Donald Trump during the campaign, right, with all the nicknames that he called people uh, and calling Obama bad man, sick man, Hillary Clinton. Uh, nasty woman, right? I mean, you go, go, go down the list, right? I mean, even one of the principal people here was Newt Gingrich over the weekend, right? Or immediately started pointing. When Newt Gingrich was speaker, you know, he put out a list. I In my first book, Spin This, I've got the entire list. I'll never forget it. Or these are the words you should use if you're talking about Republicans. And these are the words you should use if you're talking about Democrats. And go down the list. You know, they're like, Lazy, liar, corrupt, you know, sick. So all, all these words used for Republicans. So, yeah, words matter, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And um, that I think you're right. Exploiting this um, tragedy to, to, to make a cheap political shot. And as you point out, try to get Donald Trump off the hook for the Russian investigation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a twofer. You, you sort of hit the... Uh, enemy that you already had and you use it to protect the guy that you've been trying to protect. So um, you've got to come back and tell us about the tarmac at the, the Phoenix airport. <laughs> yeah, I let can't, us know, man. We'll see if I make it. I, no, I can't get this. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm worried. I can't get this out of my mind. But before you do, so what are the uh, the rating wars these days in, uh, in, in, in cable TV? Uh, what's going on? Is Fox still number one? Uh Yes, but uh, MSNBC is actually pretty consistently winning uh, in uh, in the demo on particular evening shows. They're clearly on the rise, with especially uh, Rachel Maddow's show, which has sort of consistently uh, been number one there. Um, you know, I, I think that all of the changes at Fox News have obviously not benefited them. They've lost a lot of terrible people who were also their their top talent. They yeah. had a lineup that was incredibly stable for years and years. Now it's been completely uh, sort of thrown up in the air. Tucker Carlson half ago was, uh, you know, the host of the weekend Fox and Friends edition is now their number one guy in the Bill O'Reilly slot. It's a huge jump. He's not really good enough for that. I mean, he's, his show is pretty mediocre. Uh, and spends, you know, a lot of time on his particular hobby horses um, that I think sort of don't have the overwhelming <laughs> valence in the age of Trump to really get a lot of people watching. Um, you know, the, the uh, Roger Ailes 
was a terrible human being, but also very, very good at spotting talent and promoting yeah. it yeah. and figuring yeah. out how to build these shows. It's a sad reality. And the reality is now they don't have anyone who's really good at that. Um, they, you know, they moved uh, the five into an evening slot, which doesn't really fit very well. They gave uh, Eric Bowling, who is a pretty mediocre host, a couple of new co-hosts and, and to replace that show at 5 p.m. Uh, they're just sort of throwing stuff at the wall right now. They don't really know what's going to work and what isn't. Um, and, you know, I, I think that especially if Trump continues to decline, um, I think their ratings will, too. I don't think people are going to mm. tune in for let's talk about how great the president is right. indefinitely. All right. Fox on the Wayne. That could be the best news of the day. I mean, the fact that they got rid of their fair and balanced motto last week shows <laughs> that they are sort of looking to retool it even on the smallest level. But it's sort of, I mean, they're kind of, it's kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't at this sure. point because you can't abandon what works without abandoning the audience that you currently have, but there's no way to build on the audience you currently have doing what you've been doing. So as they sort of fall out of the top slot, as, as a few people are peeled off uh, every day, mm -hmm. every, you know, uh, it, it's going to put them in a really tough situation. Right. Matt Gertz, great work. Media Matters, great work. Thanks so much for coming in. It's MediaMatters.org. Yeah, the Bill Cosby trial uh, surprised a hell of a lot of us, the outcome of it. Debbie Hines uh, will be coming in to talk about that and other legal matters here, our legal expert, uh, here on the Bill Press Show on this Monday. You know, I always say that I'm a combination of Mike Wallace, Oprah Winfrey, and Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> I know Larry the Cable Guy. He's a good guy. I love him. Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Here we go, Monday, June 19 here, the Bill Press Show. Booming out to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where it is uh, getting to be true to form here, hot and steamy and miserable. Uh, it's the swamp. Donald Trump was supposed to fix it. Now it's just as bad as it always was. It's worse. Uh, that's why Donald Trump himself had to escape first visit to Camp David. I can't believe it. I bet you he will never go back. He, he, it's not the splendor and the gold-plated fixtures that he's used to at uh, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, not that I've ever been to Camp David, but we know it's not that fancy. Um, uh, and so uh, he tried it out. He probably will never go back. Uh, we're coming to you live again from Washington, D.C. And joining us in studio with uh, several important matters to discuss Debbie Hines, trial lawyer and legal analyst. Hi, Debbie. Welcome Good back. Good morning, Bill. We will Peter. get right Good to the morning. news of the day, but it appears that we have some breaking news. We do. We do indeed. Donald Trump oh. has tweeted this morning. Uh -huh. what's, uh, what's new? Here's what he says. The Dems want to stop tax cuts, good health care, and border security. Oh, God. Come on. No, no space between No up. space between that sentence and the yeah. next. <laughs> Their Obamacare is dead with 100% increase in peas. What does that mean? Probably premiums. Oh, premiums. I guess he means premiums. God, what a wordsmith. Vote now for Karen H. 
Yeah. So I'm just going to go through that one more time. Uh, the Dems want to stop tax cuts, good health care, and border security. Their right, Obamacare right, is... Up, up. Can I just... Sure. Point out? There is no tax bill. Right. There is no health care bill that right. anybody has seen. Right. Uh, there is no immigration bill that anybody has seen. So, yeah, just... just I mean... Vote now for Karen H. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> exactly. All right. I, if we were, let's tweet out. Vote for John O. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Perfect. Yes. <laughs> All right, uh, Debbie. Good to see you. A very um, disturbing um, event over the weekend when uh, the officer who shot Fernando Castile uh, was acquitted uh, out in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, here is Valerie Castile. The uh, his mother uh, and her reaction. My son loved this city and this city killed my son and the murderer gets away. Uh, she continues here about how the city failing to, uh, well, let her speak. The system continues to fail black people. So Officer Geronimo Hanez, we've seen the video. In this case, his girlfriend videotaped the whole thing. How, uh, what's going on? You know, honestly, after the Walter Scott case, nothing surprises me when we had a video there of yeah, Mr. Scott yeah. running away almost 30 feet away from the officer Shot and the a jury ended up with the mistrial. So, you know, it's disheartening, it's upsetting, but it's also just shows the implicit racial bias of juries in these police shooting cases. It is. I mean, you talk about, oh, we got to get body cams for the police officers. Oh, we, uh, and that was the big sort of rallying cry for a while. And, I mean, my God, that doesn't seem to make much difference if you still have police officers that are getting away with shooting people like on camera. We saw it happen. Well, the body camera issue was just one issue. Everyone uh, was not saying that that was going to be the end-all, be-all, because what is definitely needed and what is the tie-in, in addition to the body cameras, is having uh, uh, racial sensitivity training. And I don't know how you do that when the mindset of many police officers are that they're scared to death that a black man or a black woman is going to kill them on a moment's notice, even if they're running away, even if they are politely saying the way Philando Castile said, sir... I have to tell you, I have a gun yeah. on me that he was registered yeah. to have. So it's just more than just body cameras. And even when you have the video, that's just not enough because all the officer evidently has to say in order for a jury to uh, acquit is I felt in reasonable fear of my life. I thought I was going to die. Well, we talk about the racial bias of the of, of some police officers. Careful there. Certainly not all. But... The point you're making, too, is what we've seen over and over again is the implicit racial bias of, on the part of the members of the jury, right? I mean, correct. It, it, meaning it, it just seems to me, and I was on a case in the one time I called for jury duty several times. The one time I was actually on a jury was a case of a white police officer arresting a young black man, didn't shoot him. And, and we on the jury were supposed to believe, and he had, they had zero evidence against this guy. But we were supposed to believe he was guilty simply because he was young, he was black, and he was a gang member. Okay. And, and most juries would. We didn't. And 
And what I'll say when I say implicit right. racial bias of the juries that you're talking about, I mean, the jury in the uh, Castile case uh, was um, 10 whites, 2 blacks. I think you'd see a different reaction, if it, a different verdict, if it was 10 blacks, 2 whites. But th- yeah, I, I, I agree, certainly. But I mean, what does this do in terms of, you know, I mean, after Ferguson, after Baltimore, we were thinking, and then there was a movement there, at least for a while, uh, we're going to have some reforms in these police departments, and the Justice Department is going to work with these, right? We're going to come up with a new plan and better screen people, hire better people, train the people that we've got, get rid of some of the bad apples we've got, and now something like this happens, and it's just people don't trust the system, I guess, right? Well, I mean... Most people in cities in the African-American community have known that these things have been going on for decades. It is just the fact that there is video out there, that people have cell phones, that they're videotaping, and then that some of the officers are being brought to trial, albeit justice is not being served there. It's only then that we are visibly seeing what's what's going on. But so is there any positive Anything? I mean, it's hard to not lose change. hope. It's hard yeah, to not it, lose it, hope. It is. You know? I mean, it, it's well, been for so long. I don't think we can lose hope. I think that we have to keep pressing forward, um, you know, in terms of these cases. I mean, if, honestly, it's, it's the fact that the cases are actually being brought is something. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it really is something. Um, at least in the Walter Scott case, he did end up pleading guilty and he's going to be sentenced later in the year. But the fact that the cases are actually being brought is really something. In the period of 2005 to uh, this year with the Castile case, of all the police shootings that there have been in that 12-year period, there have only been 80 police officers brought to trial, and they're about, you know, for on-duty shootings, and there are about 1,000 each year of mm-hmm. on-duty police officer shootings. So the fact that there are some that we're now seeing that are being brought to trial, it's just going to be a very slow process to change what has been decades of systemic racial injustice to young black um, black men and black women by, off-du- by on-duty police officer shootings. Right. Now, another case of uh, wondering what the hell got in the minds of this jury uh, is the Cosby verdict, yes. right, or the lack of a Cosby the lack, verdict. Yes, because Mr. Cosby seems to think there was a verdict, he and, yeah. he and Camille, yes, but I right. want to advise yeah. them there really so, hasn't been one. Right. So his attorney, uh, Andrew Wyatt, uh, leaves the courtroom uh, on Friday triumphant. Mr. Cosby, power is back. It's back. It's been restored. His power has been restored as if this is all over. It's not all over, is it? No, it's not all over. And I do want to make one correction because oh, everyone okay. seems to think this. Andrew Wyatt is the publicist. Oh. He, yeah, Mr. Black Power, dude, he's, he's the publicist. Oh. He's, he's not. I mean, I have to say this as an attorney. He's not the attorney. He's, oh. <laughs> he's the publicist. I mean, he's acting like it. You would think yeah. so because yeah. he's given all the statements and standing oh. there doing all the interviews on oh. the courthouse steps. That's but the attorney was a lot more gracious yeah. in what happened than Mr. Wyatt. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> Most people think that because that's how he's appearing. Oh, but wow. he is the yeah. publicist, the long, yeah. long-standing publicist of Mr. Uh, Cosby. Right. So what happened? So here's what I want to say. And there are many people that dispute this, but I'm a former prosecutor. I have prosecuted sex offense cases, um, sexual assault cases. 
they are always difficult cases. And I wrote in my blog that what the prosecution did in this case is give false high hopes and false high expectations of what is a sexual assault case. The fact of the matter is they're extremely difficult to prove. The reason why Bruce Castor, the previous um, DA for Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, did not decide to go forward with the case is because it really had a lot of issues in it, as do all sexual assault cases. And there are understandable reasons why they are. Um, they're, they're understandable, but the fact of the matter is the prosecution bears the burden of proving a case beyond a reasonable doubt. That is an extremely high standard and it is very difficult to meet in sexual assault cases. In this case you had inconsistencies of the victim. I am not discrediting the victim in any way. I'm only dealing with it as to how these cases play out in a court of law. But there were dozens of women who came forward to say that he had drugged them and sexually assaulted them and this was considered, Andrea Constant, right, the I believe, the strongest of the cases, right? No, absolutely not. I she see. was the only, no, absolutely not. She was the only case that they could bring. And they brought the because case of the within, because of the statute of limitations within. Yeah. So of those 30, 40, 50, 60 <laughs> alleged victims, no, I don't necessarily know whether or not she was the strongest, but the right. reason why they brought it is she was the only case that could be brought and it was filed, the charges were filed within days, days of the statute of limitations running. So if there's a retrial, it will have to be her case again. Yes, it's right? just her case. And, you and, can't bring others in. Well, no, that's not 100% true. You can, what the prosecutor wanted to do, and this would have been their best shot of getting a conviction, you are allowed to bring in, in any case, um, other victims that have a similar pattern as the case for which it's being tried. Those cases are not on trial. You still would only be convicting or acquitting on the case mm -hmm. of Andrea Constant. So the prosecutor wanted to bring on 13 other victims victims to testify and the judge said no you can bring on one other victim because the judge it's within the judge's discretion because if it's so highly prejudicial I mean people are going to say well okay 13 sounds like a lot yet he probably did it in that one case it's within the judge's discretion this judge did not feel that he that that it was appropriate in the uh, Jerry Sandusky case the Penn State University case for yeah, sexual yeah. abuse the uh, judge did have 13 or had 15 victims I believe um, testified <laughs> at least more than 10 victims that um, that testified that Sandusky had done the same thing to them exactly so those cases were tried together with other victims testifying and he was obviously con he was convicted um, in those cases but it's within the discretion of the judge if he wants to do that or not in this case the judge chose not to that was the way that the prosecution could have gotten a conviction and I what I am surprised about in the case is that the jury we don't know what the split was. We don't know if it's 11 to 1, which way it's going, 7 to 5, whatever. But I am surprised that the jurors collectively were able to just look at the Andrea Constead case without saying that, well, it's 60 other victims. 
obviously something's Were here. they told about the other victims? No, and they, and obviously I think they know. I mean, they'd have to be living, you know, in a tree somewhere in the rock to not know about it. But, but the, the only but, thing but that's the, being they tried. Can't, they can't take that into consideration exactly. if what, they didn't hear it in the courtroom. What they're taking into consideration is Andrea Konstadt's case that she can't remember whether it was January or February or March of 2004 that she filed, uh, went to, you know, and discussed the case a year later, that she had inconsistencies of whether she was was with other people at a dinner party when it happened or whether it was her alone. It's ultimately found that it was she alone with him on that incident. Um, her having multiple conversations with him, some to the tune of over 50 telephone conversations during the course of that year. And even though that was explained away somewhat by the fact that she was still working for Temple and University and he was a integral part of the university, the one fact that was still problematic um, for her was she went to Mr. Cosby or called Mr. Cosby during that time period and asked for tickets to a show that he was performing at in Canada and she brought her parents. So I'm not saying I don't believe her, but I'm just saying how the jury is looking at all of those issues. And obviously, I think that the best testimony in her case was Bill Cosby's. Mm. He didn't testify, but there was a deposition testimony where he's yeah, saying that, yeah. oh, in the past, I just wanted to get in the game <laughs> of giving quaaludes to women in order to, you know, perform sexual acts. And in Ms. Constance's case, I gave her Bendra. I think that was the strongest of what she had because at least showed that, okay, he does have a little pattern here of doing this in the past. But it all boils down to what you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt in Andrea Constance's case. And does it also reflect sort of sort of a, similar to what we were talking about earlier with these cases with white police officers and young black men or women, right, that in uh, sexual assault cases, juries it, and when it boils down to he said, she said. It seems to me in too exactly. many cases, the jury is going to believe the man. People bring in their own biases in all cases. So in the sexual assault cases, when you have men on a jury, because I don't really see that. I disagree with people to see it as a race thing. I see it as, a, you know, male, female. I and do in too. Cosby's I do case. Too. Yeah. And when people, when you have, and I've had these conversations <laughs> with people recently, when you have men that are listening to the uh, the, the testimony of Andrea Constant, I think that you see them reading into, well, why would she have waited? Why would she have done this? That really doesn't make sense. I wouldn't have done this. Of course, you're not a woman that's been sexually assaulted, so you wouldn't really understand that. And even though there are yeah. psychologists that are trying to explain it, that is the, that's the bias in those cases. And prosecutors that bring those cases, we know that. Will there be a retrial? Oh, well, the uh, prosecutor said that it would be a retrial. I think he spoke. I mean, I think he intends to do that, but I think he actually spoke prematurely because, honestly, when I was a prosecutor, and unfortunately I have had mistrials, you actually wanted to talk, if you could, to the jury to see, uh, not the, not yeah. necessarily the breakdown, because the judges told yeah. them not to discuss their lip deliberations, but you wanted to ask them what went wrong, what did you like, what didn't you like, what, you know, yeah. what, was, what do you think was the problem here? Right. Before you jump. Before you jump. Yeah. Um, uh, I've got to ask you about uh, the maybe biggest story of the day today, which is this question uh, 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 about whether or not the president is under investigation. He says he is. His lawyer are trying to pretend that he's not. Um, but uh, uh, 
my question to you as an attorney mm-hmm. is, um, let's assume that Donald Trump is right and the Washington Post is right. He is under investigation by the special counsel for obstruction of justice. What are the implications of that for the president of the United States if he's found guilty of obstruction of justice? Well, I think that the special prosecutor can recommend what would happen in the case of if he has, you know, if there is credible evidence to show that he has um, obstructed justice. Um, I think that what it basically means is that his his administration, his presidency is just going to be stuck at zero. There's not much going to be going on because it's not like the special prosecutor Mueller is going to be coming to any decision. Can he, can he indict him? You know, that's an interesting question. Most legal people don't 100% agree on it, that the, the believing that the method really is impeachment as opposed to indictment first. Um, so it's not as, you know, the law is really an art and not exactly a science, as I like to explain Plus, it. this is, uh, we haven't been here before, right? Richard right, Nixon but, right. resigned before he right. could be found guilty. Right. But, so if he's found guilty, then what, what I understand is that then the justice, the special counsel can rec- say he tried to obstruct justice. This is a criminal offense. He cannot indict the president of the United States, the president of... Right. And so Congress then would have to start impeaching. Yeah, Congress would need to do impeachment, would more likely need to do impeachment. And if they did not, then what you're saying is everything would just come to a halt, to a standstill and... Right. I think that if there is credible evidence, which, you know, it's going to be more than just a Comey statement, honestly. Um, I think if there is credible evidence that the president has obstructed justice in whichever way it rolls down that I think that Congress will act. But I think that it's going to be more than just a Comey-type statement. There has to be really strong evidence. And that's not that's not just because it's the president, but whenever there's a high official, even if it was a mayor, a governor, whatever, you need more than just, as we talked about in the Andre Constant case, you need more than just a he said, she said, or he said, he said situation. All right. So at this point, according to the Washington Post, um, Mueller has scheduled interviews with three individuals who reportedly were asked by Donald Trump to put some pressure on Comey to drop the FBI investigation. Yes. You know who they are, Director of National Intelligence, Director of the NSA, and the man who just retired as Deputy Director of the NSA. After those conversations, Robert Mueller could decide, you know, there's just not enough here, right? Uh, I, I can't make, make a case. Or he could decide, there's a lot of evidence here, we've got to go forward with this investigation, right? right. So, and I so at mm-hmm. this point, mm-hmm. I think it's important for all of us to recognize mm-hmm. that this is the initial stage. Exactly. That's what right. I was going to say. This is not just going to be him interviewing three other people and then making a decision. I mean, this is yeah. actually going to go on for months, if not even another year. So that's what people need to understand. And that's just how investigations are done, whether it's an investigation involving you know, Donald Trump or if it's an investigation involving any other high-ranking official. They just do not take a matter of days. They can actually take, in this case, Likely, maybe 18 months. We could be talking about this next year at this time. Is it a witch hunt? Oh, I absolutely don't think it's a witch hunt. I think they're on to something. I think really if you believe what Comey said and if you believe what Donald Trump's son, Eric, said, that when Donald Trump tells you something, he wants you to do it. He's not hoping that you can just drop it. It is really an order. And if your boss tells you, oh, I hope you can complete this assignment by Friday, they are not hoping. They are telling you this assignment is to be completed by Friday. Yeah, right. 
I mean, I find it funny that you would call it a witch hunt when it's uh, being conducted by the Justice Department, which is part of his administration. Right, right. You know, I mean, hello. But Donald he, Trump apparently... He named Andrews, Andrew, I mean, Jeff Sessions, he named uh, Rod Rosenstein, I mean... But he apparently is not pleased or has not been pleased at different moments in time with either one of them. I mean, even Sessions to the point of allegedly saying, oh, I might, if I can't get your, you know, your trust and I might uh, need to resign. Okay. Um, Donald Trump, uh, calling by calling it a witch hunt, and, um, and some of his uh, allies like Newt Gingrich and others have, have suddenly become mm -hmm. extremely critical of Robert Mueller. Will he, could he fire Robert Mueller, the special counsel. We know he he would have to ask Rosenstein to do it, but I mean, in effect, do you think that Trump will, will or could fire Mueller and get away with it? Well, we know that he's supposed to ask Rosenstein to do it. I mean, yeah. this is oh, a president right. that is unorthodox and doesn't follow any of the rules, apparently. I think that if he does ask Rosenstein to fire Mueller, I think that we enter into some deep, dark hole that I'm Rosenstein not sure. Rosenstein would have to resign rather than do it. And then that's the other theory, how many other people would resign before Donald Trump can get to the person in the Justice Department that could do it. And since he hasn't um, appointed that many people in the Justice Department, that's <laughs> yeah, the right. other little problem. Pretty soon you run out of people to fire, right? <laughs> well, you'll be like down to the ninth person. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You'll be down to the ninth person <laughs> in the totem pole. <laughs> well, Jared Kushner may have to come through again, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that resume up for oh, Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, All right. Just keep going. Hey, Debbie, we covered a lot of territory. Thanks so Thank much so for much, coming Phil. in today. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Keep at it, folks. Uh, have a great Monday. You know uh, that Donald Trump will be tweeting all day long. There'll be other things. And this is Technology Week. We'll see what happens on that. Make it a great Monday and come back and see us again tomorrow. We'll all be here and we will be looking for you. This Have a good one. is the Bill Press Show.